0: Quick content warning up top, this episode contains some strong language, mentions of alcohol abuse and unavoidable descriptions of Morris dancing. This is Fogland Lighthouse. I'm Jack Dean. Previously on Nine Days, it's February 1600 and Will Kemp, famous clown man, has recently been kicked out of his theatre company The Lord Chamberlain's Men. In a bid to recoup his losses and restore his fame, he has bet everything on a wager that he can travel from London to Norwich in nine days, while Morris dancing every step of the way. The bookmaker for the wager, George Spratt, has agreed to observe Will at different points on the route to check he follows the rules of the bet. Recruiting drummer and fife player Thomas Sly at his side, he has just left his starting point outside the Lord Mayor's house in Shoreditch. And now... Scene 8 continued... As Will and Thomas progress down the street, a small group of people fall in behind them, copying Will's dance. Thomas. What are they doing? Will. Joining in? Bit of a laugh, innit? Thomas. How long do you think they'll follow us? Will. Oh, no more than a mile, I reckon. Scene 9. Exterior. Beer garden in the village of Bow, several miles down the road. Day. Will and Thomas are sat at a table eating a cream tea. The group of dancers that followed them out of London are still there, standing silently, watching them eat. Thomas. Why are you following us? A long silence. Will. I don't like this anymore. Scene 10. Langton. Exterior. Day. A bear-baiting match is happening in the middle of the town, drawing a dense crowd. Will and Thomas watch from a distance. Will. Right. Let's shake them. Thomas. Why? They're your fans, Will. Well, fans I like, helpers I don't. It might threaten the bet if it looks like I had help. And I'm the Morris Master, not them. They should leave it to the professionals. Thomas. Suit yourself? They push through the crowd. The pursuing dancers struggle to keep up, but a couple of them still stay on their tail. They approach the bear-baiting pit, an area ringed by a wooden fence where a bear is locked in savage, feral combat with three dogs. Will hops the fence, jigs at speed across the pit, waving to the astonished crowd. The bear throws off its attackers and charges full pelt towards Will. At the last minute, Thomas tackles him out of the way. The bear crashes into the fence where the pursuing dogs pin it down. Will stands up and takes a bow. Scene 11. Interior. Tavern in Ilford, night. George Spratt is sat around the table with the mud splattered Will and Thomas. George. Eventful day, then? Will. Oh, not really. Little tumble in Langdon, but the jig was uninterrupted. Ask anyone there. George. Hmm. Well, completion of the first day warrants a celebration. He signals to the barmaid. George. Three great spoons, please. The barmaid brings out three enormous wooden ladles, each filled with four pints of beer, and rests them on the table. George. Local delicacy. Thomas. The local delicacy is a big fuck-off spoonful of beer. George. Don't insult the local customs, Thomas. Drink up, Will. George smiles with a pinch of malice. Thomas looks nervously at Will. Will looks at his reflection in the vast pool of beer in front of him. Will. No, thank you, George. It stands not with the congruity of my health. Will stands, tips his hat to them, then heads upstairs to bed. George. What's wrong with him? Thomas. How long have you got? Scene 12. Interior, Romford, day. Will is in bed. His eyes slowly open. He sees that there is no one else around smiles he gets up stretches rubs his sore feet and legs a little then heads to the window his face darkens immediately outside are the dancers their numbers even greater than before all looking up to his window dancer time to get going will title day two 104 miles to norwich scene 13 exterior country lane day Will continues the dance, doing his best to ignore the crowd behind him. Thomas, still drumming, is talking to two of the dancers, Jonathan and James. Thomas, where did you even sleep? Jonathan, the inn let us stay in the barn round the back. James, like the baby Jesus. Jonathan, I don't know if he spent as much time spooning a cow for warmth as we did. James, oh it's worth it. Look at us, we're out in the country, we're dancing, we're having to care in the world. Thomas thinks for a moment. He advances up to Will. Thomas, I need a few crowns advance from my share. Will, what for? Thomas, straps getting worn on the table. Need to get a new one. Without breaking from the jig for a second, Will reaches into his coin purse and hands Thomas four chunky silver coins. Thomas falls back to the dancer's position, hands a crown each to Jonathan, James and two others. Thomas, stay in the actual inn this time. James, a huzzah for Will and for you, Master Sly. A celebration breaks out in the crowd with people hugging Thomas, tousling his hair and playing his drum and fife. Scene 14, interior, tavern, night. Will is sat alone, sulkily nursing a cup of water. The dancers are gathered at the other end with Thomas and George Spratt. Two constables enter, dragging the four people Thomas gave the crowns to. Constable. Are you Mr. Kemp, sir? Will. Indeed, tis I, but I'm afraid it falls too late in the eve for autographs. The constable looks baffled for a moment. Then, constable. Do you know these fellows? Will. Never seen him in my life. Thomas. Will, what the... Will, is there a problem, officers? Constable. They were found with a suspicious quantity of coinage, and they claimed it was freely given to them by yourself. Will. Freely given? Doing his best panto acting, Will looks into his coin purse, feigns shock, then a moment of recognition. Will. Will. Why, officer, I do know these persons. Most notorious cut purses of South London they are. Many a time at the Globe they have been caught plying their thievish trade. Constable. Thought so. Send those two off to the town jail. The other two will have to go back to London, but not before a stint at the Whipping Cross. Thomas looks at Will, appalled. Will. Tabor strapped my arse. Thomas rushes out after the constables, along with the rest of the dancers. He pleads desperately with them, shouting and gesturing wildly. They pay him no mind. Under the light of a full moon, Jonathan and James are taken out to a stone pillar in the middle of town, tied to it and the shirts ripped from their backs. The constables each bring out a cat of nine tails and start flogging them. Their wails of anguish echo into the night. Thomas sees Wills surreptitiously jigging past. Continuing on the route to Norwich, he follows after. Thomas, why are you being such a cunt to these people? Will, it's not personal, Tom. Imitators are bad for business. I can't have amateurs pulling attention from the main event. Thomas, mate, come on, it's just Morris dancing. Will stops. Will, it's not just Morris dancing, it's my livelihood. "'They tried to take it away once, and they won't do it again. "'And you're not my mate, you're my drummer. "'I'm paying you to drum, so I'd prefer you to shut up and do that.' "'Will jigs angrily forward. "'A few seconds pass. "'Then Thomas starts striking the table loudly. "'The dancers, saddened though they are, start following them. "'Will, what are you doing?' "'Thomas, shutting up and drumming. "'Will, I didn't mean now.' Thomas. Just doing my job, sir. Will. You... Scene 15. Montage. Will is woken early the next morning by Thomas beating the drum outside, surrounded by a growing crowd of dancers. Title, Day 3, 91 Miles to Norwich. Will jigs down a village street, cheered by one crowd and pursued by another. A young woman pulls up next to him while jigging. He speeds up a little to lose her, doing more and more dramatic dance movements. She catches up again, he pulls away again, but he's not looking where he's going and falls into a deep pothole in the road filled with mud and slushy ice water. The crowd laughs. Will seethes for a moment, then hides it under a clownish grin and bows to them before limping on his way. He arrives at a tavern, drinks a cup of water and goes to bed. He wakes up to drums, title... Day four, 85 miles to Norwich. Still limping a little, Will heads through a forest. He leaps over a large puddle blocking the path, just about making it. A young man from the crowd of dancers heads towards him. He holds his hand out, gesturing that he will catch him if he jumps. As he does so, Will pushes him in instead. Thomas rolls his eyes. Another tavern, another cup of water, another bed, another drumline at dawn. Title, day five. 74 miles to Norwich As they head through a small town A plump middle-aged woman grabs Will And starts swinging him about Humming along with Thomas's tune on the fife Will tries to escape but can't She smacks him on the buttocks And sends him staggering forward Then waves goodbye to him Suppressing his resentment He waves back and continues A tavern, a cup of water, a bed, a drumbeat at dawn Title Day 6, 57 miles to Norwich Will arrives in the town of Berry, knocks over a pile of barrels to slow the crowd of dancers behind him. Tavern, water, bed, drums. Title, day seven, 43 miles to Norwich. Silhouetted against the morning sky, Will and his followers cross a heath as a gentle snow begins to fall. A goat approaches Will, looking for food. When he tries to shoe it, it headbutts him, knocking him over. Scene 16, exterior, Thetford. Day. Snow is falling. Will and Thomas arrive that evening at a large, stately townhouse. A tall, wrought-iron fence runs around the perimeter of its well-groomed garden. George leans on the fence, watching them arrive. Thomas. What's this? George. This is your digs, Mr Sly. Sir Edwin Rich, a nobleman dressed in ostentatiously expensive and fashionable clothes, comes out of the house. Edwin will fucking camp as i live and breathe well mr rich a pleasure he walks up to the gate which is opened by two servants they shake hands energetically edwin please mate call me eddie thomas you two know each other edwin what the fuck are you talking about tense silence edwin everyone knows will he's the fucking Lord of the Jigs! I've been a fan since the fucking Leicester House days in the 80s. Come on in, mate. It's an absolute shitter out here. Are these chaps with you? Will. Yes, this is my drummer Thomas and my observer George. Edwin. Bloody great to meet you both. Come on inside. Thomas. What about the rest? Thomas gestures to the tired, cold masses of dancers behind them. Will and Edwin look at each other, then break into laughter. Edwin. Fuck, Thomas. We'll train you well in the comic arts. Imagine me letting a hundred peasants stay in my house. Fucking hilarious. They head inside the gate, which is closed behind them. Edwin, now, the wife and kids are up at Mulbarton for the whole weekend, so we can cut loose. Scene 17, interior, manor house, night. A lavish bacchanal has been laid on. All the local gentry have gathered, mixing with a bevy of courtesans. Will sits at a table overladen with rich food and wine, holding court. A full band plays, including a table player that Thomas eyes jealously from the corner he sits in, next to a bored looking courtesan. Thomas, he doesn't know what he's doing. His paradiddles are all over the place. Courtesan, sure. Thomas looks out a window. A blizzard is steadily stirring up outside. Some of the dancers have made a makeshift camp in front of the house. Thomas. The poor sods. Lord knows what keeps them going. Courtesan, It is like the dancing plague. Thomas. What? Courtesan, The dancing plague of 1518. In Strasbourg. My grandmother was there. It was like the times are now. Bad harvests, high taxes, disease everywhere. People went mad. They started dancing, and they didn't stop. Not when their feet broke. Not when they starved or thirsted. Not until they died sometimes. Thomas. Christ. Courtesan. You want to fuck now? Thomas. Uh, no, no, thank you. Thank you very much, though. It's a very, very kind offer. The party rages on, growing more and more debauched. Fruit is thrown at the servants. Two elaborately dressed pigs race through the house. Champagne is poured over a courtesan. Will jigs in the middle of it, whirling and waltzing, carousing and cantering. Thomas sneaks some of the food into a bag, then heads out the front entrance into the growing snowstorm and goes to the fence. He starts handing the food through the bars to the dancers. The door to the house swings open, and Will and Edwin step outside the house to urinate in the garden. Edwin... "'Wait, that was your role in Almond for a parrot, wasn't it?' "'Will, no, no, that was knack to know a knave.' "'Edwin, Ah, of course!' "'Alfreda!' "'Will and Edwin, with With the the big big tits!' (laughs) "'Will, Thomas, what are you up to over there?' "'Thomas accidentally drops the bag, "'sending its contents spilling out onto the ground.' "'Edwin, fucking hell, Thomas!' "'stealing my food to sell to the commoners, jolly bad form.' "'Thomas, I i wasn't selling, I, I was giving.' "'Edwin, that's even fucking worse.' "'Will, Thomas, you have disgraced me in front of my esteemed host.' "'Thomas, he's not esteemed, he's just rich.' "'He points beyond the gate.' "'Thomas, these are real people, Will. Catherine, her husband used to beat her.' He wouldn't let her come along, but she did anyway. She's got nowhere to stay when she comes back. Philip, he sold his horse to buy everyone a meal last night. Susanna, she made hats for everyone out of her wedding dress. They're looking for an escape. And, and fuck knows why, but they want you to lead them. Edwin, they sound like a bunch of fucking mugs to me. Will, you will apologise to Sir Edwin this minute. Thomas smells the alcohol on Will's breath. Thomas, you've been drinking, Will. Oh, who fucking cares, Tom? Why are you such a ball aching Puritan? Thomas, you've breached our agreement. I'm done. Give me my share. Will, I haven't won the bet yet. I've nothing for you. Thomas, I don't care. You owe me my share. Edwin, oh, it's always money with you peasants, isn't it? Money, money, money. Well, here you go, little drummer boy. Now fuck off. Edwin pulls some coins out of his purse and starts throwing them at Thomas, laughing hysterically. Will does nothing. The servants open the gate and Thomas, shielding his face, backs away through it. Scene 18. Interior. Tavern. Night. Thomas sits alone at a table. George comes in with Thomas's Tabor and Fife, playing both very badly. He is clearly three sheets to the wind. George... Oh my, I don't know how you do it, Tom. I really don't. He sets them down on the table and looks expectantly at Thomas. Thomas, thank you for returning them to me, George. You're quite welcome, Tommy boy. Frankly, I'm grateful for a bit of time off, the Poshos. They do overdo it a bit. Oh, what a laugh this whole adventure's been. I'm almost sad to see it end. But then I think about all the money I'll be getting and I'm much, much less sad. Thomas, what are you talking about, George? Your favourite fellow, Sir Edwin, bet Will five pounds that he couldn't do the next leg tonight. And you know what Will's like with a bet. He's either going to come crawling back to Thetford or freeze to death in a ditch. Either way, that's an incomplete day's jig and a win for good old Sprat, Thomas. Shit! Shit! Thomas bolts out the door. Scene 18. Field outside a small English town. We're back where we started, with Thomas tumbling down the snow-covered hill and seeing Will dancing over the ice. Thomas. Will! For fuck's sake, Will! Come back! Will. Piss off, Thomas! Thomas. Well, it's not worth it. Just... Will falls through the ice, disappearing completely. Thomas. Shit. Thomas runs out onto the ice, stumbling and sliding. Will, unable to swim, is floundering and flailing under the water. Just as he is about to sink to the bottom, an arm reaches in and grabs his. He's pulled bodily and messily out of the hole. They crawl back to land, then collapse. Will lies in Thomas' arms, sobbing like a baby. Scene 19, interior, barn in Thetford, day. Will is in his bedclothes, asleep on a pile of hay, spooning a cow. He wakes up gently, looks around to see Thomas and the dancers gathered around him. Thomas, I've sent for a carriage. We'll be back in London in a couple of days. Will, bugger that, we've a jig to finish. Thomas smiles. Will dons his Morris dancing outfit, covered in mud and animal dung, torn in places. Many bells missing. Will. How do I look? Thomas. Like a prick. Will. Good. Master Brand. He hands Thomas his entire coin purse. Will. Your share, following breach of contract. It may be a crown or two short, but I can sell some things when I'm back in London. Thomas hands it back. Thomas, you can pay me when we get to Norwich. Will. But, Thomas, I've had an idea. Just follow my lead. Scene 20, exterior, Thetford, day. A few hours after the previous scene, they jig through the centre of Thetford. George and Edwin stand amongst the crowd. George, Mr. Kemp, I regret to inform you that you have failed to fulfil your wager. Thomas says who? George. He failed to complete a leg last night. You were there. Thomas. No, I wasn't. Didn't see anything. Did anyone else? He turns to the crowd. They shrug and shake their heads. George. Unluckily for you, I have a reliable witness. Sir Edwin, will you please describe the events of last night? Edwin's wife and children suddenly appear at his side. Edwin. Ugh, nothing, really. Nothing Nothing happened at all. We uh, we had dinner and then went to bed. George. I, you... They jig past as George fumes and Edwin and his wife break out into a heated argument. Thomas. Oh, good. She got my letter. Will does a face that says, Oh, no, you didn't. Title. Day 8. 31 miles to Norwich. Scene 21. Montage. Will jigs alongside his followers for the first time. He swaps his hat for one made by Susanna. He swings by a stable and buys Philip a new horse. He stops on a village green to teach the dancers some more elaborate Morris moves. He sits with them, talking and joking round a campfire as night draws in. Title. Day 9. 15 miles to Norwich. The 15 ticks down to zero and then the miles two disappears, leaving only norwich it's a bright sunny winter's day will and his dancers jig into town in perfect coordination like a pre-modern flash mob twirling and hopping in perfect unison right knee up left foot hop two quick steps forward left knee up right foot hop two quick steps forward arms up both feet hop repeat huge crowds appear to cheer them on they pass through a narrow street next to a church The crowd and dancers are pressed together in a dense scrum. Suddenly, Will makes an almighty leap up over the church wall. He lands on both feet in the churchyard and crosses it, no longer jigging, into an empty church. He sits at a pew, prays silently for a moment, then looks up to see a male figure bathed in the light of a stained glass window. It's Shakespeare, who takes a pew at his side. Shakespeare. Hello, Will. Will, is this real? Shakespeare. No, this is very much the writer taking liberties. I'm a bit of a big deal in the 21st century, so they often try and shoehorn me into historical events I was never anywhere near. We were in a theatre company together, and I did hate your ad-libs, but I probably never placed that bet back in Shoreditch. If I had, though, it would have been for you to make it. Not because I like you but because I always make shrewd financial decisions. Well, what do they think of me in the 21st century? Shakespeare. Well, when people laugh at the jokes in my plays in 400 years, they're only pretending they're funny to try and look clever. Because what's funny changes very quickly. It doesn't last. Dramas might chug across millennia, but jokes are ephemeral. A feather in the wind. That's part of why they're so fun. Well, so no legacy for me then, Shakespeare. Who cares? Legacy is for wankers. You're alive. People love you. You know how to dance. And you're funny. Right here. Right now. Don't underestimate any of those things. Thomas can be heard faintly outside. Thomas. Will? You alright? Will. I'd best be getting back to it. Shakespeare. Yeah. It'll be a laugh. Will rejoins Thomas at the church doorway and gives him a sideways hug. Thomas strikes up the rhythm on the table and plays the fife one last time as they jig together, bathed in sunlight, off into the future. Fogland Lighthouse is written, produced, and scored by me, Jack Dean. I get research assistance from Lucy Jane Santos and project management from Plum, Grosvenor, Stevenson. This season is supported by Arts Council England. The show is presented by Jack Dean and Company. You can find out more about us and our other projects at jackdean.co.uk. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email me on jack at jackdean.co.uk. If you get a moment please leave us a nice review on apple podcasts or share the podcast with someone you think might like it those both help an awful lot i'll catch you guys next week